Now entering the Bitcoin Podcast Network. Welcome to Hashing It Out, a podcast where we talk to the tech innovators behind blockchain infrastructure and decentralized networks. We dive into the weeds to get at why and how people build this technology and the problems they face along the way. Come listen and learn from the best in the business so you can join their ranks. Welcome back, everybody, to Hashing It Out. As always, I'm your host, Dr. Corey Petty, and today's co-host today is John Mardlin. Welcome to the show. Welcome to your first co-host episode. How's it feel? Oh, it feels good. Yeah, ready to it's ask really some good. sweet questions to, to someone brand new in your life. Uh, <laughs> today, we're, uh, we're having back on uh, on the show, Mr. Neuron from the proprietor of Panvala. Welcome to the welcome back to the show. We're going to start talking about um, kind of what how Panvala has moved since we've had you on previously, and what you're currently in the works on, and kind of bring people up to speed as to kind of what it is again, because it's it's somewhat uh, it's a different approach to something that has been uh, difficult to get done well since the dawn of time. So uh, yeah, welcome back to the show. It's good to be back. Thanks for having me. So let's uh, let's start with the the traditional primer. I mean, people have people know where you come from. You can just go listen to the episode again. Let's talk directly about what Panvala is. Like what what is it from a very high ten thousand bird view, whatever that analogy is. <laughs> uh, so basically, what we're trying to do with Panvala is generalize the economics behind Bitcoin's subsidy model. Uh, lots of people are fascinated with Bitcoin and how it works. The thing that I'm most fascinated about is the subsidy model. So as most people know, the people sending transactions on the Bitcoin network are paying a fee, but that fee doesn't even come close to funding the Bitcoin network itself. It's the block rewards that fund the Bitcoin network. If you compare the fees to the block rewards over the past quarter or so, it's about 60 times the fees that are being subsidized for security on the Bitcoin network. Uh, that's pretty incredible. And the people that are actually funding that are the people who are holding on to Bitcoins. Whenever you buy Bitcoin and hold on to it, you know that there's going to be 21 million Bitcoins and there's not 21 million yet. So there's going to be new Bitcoins created that dilute euro holdings in the system. And those new Bitcoins subsidize the operation of the system. That's a pretty cool model. It's worked pretty well. And it subsidized a network that we can all use. Uh, what we're trying to do with Panvala is generalize that same model and instead of subsidizing Bitcoin security or any blockchain security, we want to use it to subsidize your community and the work that's being done that your community values. Uh, so that's what we're trying to do. Uh, for uh, If you take that same model of uh, fees uh, 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 compared to uh, subsidy, uh, the quarter that ended January 31st, uh, Panvala multiplied the donations that came in at 11.2x. And if you look at what we did uh, this quarter with matching donations on Gitcoin grants, uh, there is 1.5 million tokens that went to people and 115,000 tokens that were donated. That's about 12.9x uh, that we were able to match people's donations at. So we think we can continue doing this for about 10 years, the same way Bitcoin's been subsidizing for about 10 years. We think we can keep doing this and we just want to offer it to as many communities as want to use it. Yeah, I think we're going to dive a lot into that. but um. 
kind of interested in like what's your take on like okay so bitcoin subsidy model as you just recently put it um the inflation rate which is the new bitcoin that gets minted with every block is is for the most part what people are after what the miners are actually after when they're mining because the amount in fees is substantially lower 60x as you've just recently put it right so uh with the with the, i guess this is a re- reasonable timing to have this conversation like the block reward has just, was just halved yesterday i believe um this will go out thursday so a few days a few days ago um how does that work like how does that affect the uh, i guess subsidizing of the network and have you how much have you thought about this con this this concept of the inflation rate and its effects on the current token holders and people continuing to care and maintain the same level of care over time as that inflation rate changes. Yeah. So I think what we're going to see in the Bitcoin network is that that multiplier is going to go down from 60x. I don't think it'll be cut in half to 30x. I think the, the price will change at some point and maybe get somewhere in between. But over time, that uh, that subsidy is going to gradually decrease until it goes to zero. And then people expect that a fee market will be established to uh, uh, operate the network. Uh, and in Panvala, the idea is that it kind of works the same way. We, we have a multiplier that we expect to decrease over time. So uh, in the early days, we expect communities to be really excited about, hey, we, we have this subsidy to operate our community, to do our philanthropy, to do whatever we want to do together. That's really exciting. That gets people involved. But that doesn't last forever. So in that intervening decade or however long these attractive multipliers last, we have to do the work to make sure that we're building communities that are worth sustaining over time, even when there's no subsidy left to be had. It's just going to be communities uh, operating on their own someday. This is just a way to bootstrap those communities and get them off the ground. So I think people will still be excited about it when there's no more subsidy, but we have to do the work to make sure that happens. So you're seeing like, Kind of like the time of the subsidy as being the, um, I guess the generation of like the signaling market. Because what I what I imagine is Panvala is is the ability to signal where you think money should go, um, and we can maybe talk a little about that dynamics later. But like it takes a while to get to the point where you have the cohorts that are have proven useful in signaling. And once you get to that point, you can then change how that model works based on having some, I guess, reputable sources of of signaling. And we'll get to whatever signaling means in a little bit. Because, like, uh, like, like the people who are mining who would be signaling like about like validity or security of the Bitcoin network. I'm just trying to keep this analogy going. Like, are doing real work. They're doing real computation. And some people and some people will will, will give that like the the bottom price of Bitcoin is the amount of energy that goes into the network to secure it. Now there's arguments to be made there and that doesn't necessarily translate to, to how Panvala works, but like, I guess there was a question in this, like where does the value come from in Panvala? So the value comes from two things uh, we, uh, we are very heavily modeled on Bitcoin. The value in Bitcoin comes from a community that's loyal to Bitcoin. Uh, I think there will be a community that's loyal to Panvala because instead of just seeing a, 
blockchain network being operated by the system, they're going to see their communities thriving as a result of the system. And I think as a result, they'll want to help keep the system going and be good stewards of the community. Um, but the other thing is, like, uh, if you think about uh, all the Bitcoin mining operations that sprung up since 2009, uh, like there's all these people that were trying to find all the nooks and crannies somewhere on Earth with the cheapest electricity and the best mining ships that were available. Uh, and that was like, if you see all the articles about it with all the pictures, like it's incredible that just somebody launching a, a piece of software led to that kind of economic activity. If you take that same mentality and apply it instead of subsidizing security to subsidizing communities, I think you're going to see something equally as, as incredible. But instead of uh, trying to uh, optimize your electricity bills, you're going to be trying to provide the public goods, the 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 themes that communities want that they've wanted before but didn't have a way to coordinate to fund them, there's going to be people trying to find all of those things and fill in those gaps in people's lives. And I think that's something that people are going to want to sustain. The value comes from people wanting what the network produces. And I think people want thriving communities. John, how do you feel about this? You're yourself staring in the distance and trying to think of what you're thinking about. <laughs> Uh, you're muted. You're not coming through. Ah, so John, as John works out some audio issues, I'll keep going. Uh, how does that work, right? Okay, let's let's uh, let's like it's take me to step by step. Like I get, I have Panvala. So uh, full disclosure, uh, hashing it out has received one of the first grants of the of the uh, Panvala tranches, um, and so we sit on like I think it's around a hundred thousand pan, in which we're going to be doing some of the stuff we're going to talk about later. In order to try and you know allocate funds to public goods, so get that out of the way. We're we're, we're clearly involved in this in some way, shape, or form. Um, we're just trying to get the community to better understand what that means and what it means to be involved with Panvala. It's not one of those situations where you like buy some, sit on it, get rich. It's like a it's an active effort to uh, fund things that will be useful within the communities that are using it. I guess that's, a, that's kind of the way I see it. John, I think you have your sound fixed now. I think I think I got yeah. Yep, you're good. Well, well, well. I heard I heard Neuron's last answer, but I, I kind of lost what the question was. But I think it was just what gives it value, and I think it's still. I think that I don't I don't feel quite entirely satisfied. Like, why do I want if I'm not if I don't want to do good? Uh, if I'm, you know, if I just like like, is there a place for like like should a hardcore Bitcoiner or like. Like at some point is there's for the person that just wants to hoard something that will appreciate and value, like what's the story for them? Uh, I mean, it's a token with a limited supply. If you're into collecting beanie babies, uh, you could also collect <laughs> hand if you want, but that's okay. not really what it's for. Uh, it's for people who want to subsidize what's going on in their community. So if you, the people who hold on to these tokens, they're the ones that the matching funds come from. It's like Bitcoin, where everyone's getting diluted every time period. And Panvala, everyone's getting diluted. And that's where these matching funds come from. So if you don't want to match people's donations, you probably shouldn't hold on to the token. But if right. you do want to match people's donations, like so many people in the Ethereum ecosystem do, you can hold on to these tokens. And instead of having to be an active philanthropist, where you have to be a very wealthy person and you're giving out your money to match people's donations, uh, you can uh, be a new kind of philanthropist that does your philanthropy by holding on to a token. 
because the network is going to dilute your holdings and match the uh, match the donations from there. So the right. So, so then the act of like selling the token means you are kind of a jerk. Not necessarily a jerk. Uh, we like. It's, <laughs> well, yeah, it's like not interested in the community. I suppose. Yeah, sure. Like we like uh, some of our grantees. <laughs> you have you have you have an allocation of funds, and you and and your priorities change depending on how much you need yeah. those funds and what you need to be doing with them. Exactly that. Like some of our grantees need to pay their bills. Like uh, when people are donating pan to these grantees, we don't want to say if you sell your tokens to pay your bills, you're a jerk. You're not a jerk. Pay your bills if you need to pay your bills. But if you don't urgently need to pay your bills and you'd rather be part of something interesting and new, something that's actually trying to find a new model to sustain communities, then you hold on to your tokens and you become part of it. And it's been great to see so many different people across the Ethereum ecosystem actually make that choice, actively make that choice. When I send them an email at the end of the quarter when they get their grant and I'm like, here are your tokens, this is how much they're worth at the current market price, you could go sell them on Uniswap or you could hold on to them and be a part of this thing, this is what Panball is. And when they reply to me and they say, I want to be a part of this, it, it's, it makes me feel really good. But it's also a sign that I, I think we're actually onto something here. I think there are people who want to be a part of something like this. And that's where the demand for the token comes from. So, so it is, it is like it's kind the value is, is kind of like a lot of tokens. It's in, in the meme, right? Like just in people wanting it because other people want it because they feel good having it. Uh, that's that's one way to think about it. I mean, uh, <laughs> like to me, that's not the primary value. Again, like there's there are actually people who buy these tokens to make their donations because they make right. their donations in Pan, their donations are going to be matched. So people, there's a demand for this token that comes from people wanting to use it for its purpose to make mm -hmm. donations. There's also a demand for the token that comes from people who want to hold on to the token to subsidize their community. So that's another source of demand. Like it's not just hold because other people might want it someday. Like uh, we want the people who hold it to be people who are using it. And that's what we're trying to encourage people to do with the staking uh, program. Mm -hmm. All right, so let's, and, let's and back I up a little bit. I just want to like, just, just finish that my thought is like, cause, cause I've had this explained to me by Neuron so many times and I go in <laughs> and out of understanding it. And so like, I, what I, what, what I like about it when I do get it is that it is, a way of buying things it gives it sort of gives you a, a puts a market on things that you normally can't buy that you would like to to purchase in some cases so like you, you can you can always donate to a good cause but but this seems to be an interesting new way of funding public goods that are are hard to purchase in other ways if i could buy less climate change i would buy that like I hope it evolves into that for these early days. Like uh, there's there's no necessarily you, you won't be able to see a price for solving climate change or anything. But what you will have is a new economic tool to try to make that sort of thing happen. So if you think about uh, governments, they all have this economic tool that powers their activity. We call it currency. And if you think about corporations, they all have this economic tool that powers their work and we call it stuck. Uh, but for the third sector of our society, for the civic sector of our society, where things are done on a voluntary basis, you find people who are like-minded and you just cooperate to get stuff done, we don't have economic tools to power our operation. We just take in money and spend money. 
So I think that if we had economic tools to power that third sector of our economy, that civic sector of our society, then we would be able to rely more on those kind of organizations, not organizations that are out to make a profit, not organizations that are monopolies that we have to debate over what we do, but instead a voluntary sector where we're just trying to find like-minded people and do whatever we can to get stuff done. If we had the economic tools to power that kind of activity, I think the focus of our public life would be more on those rather than divisive winner-take-all politics. And that's really where I get a lot of my inspiration from. You could solve problems like the ones that you're mentioning without having to pass a bill. <laughs> you just find people who want to solve it with you, ignore everybody else, and get your work done. And I think we have the economic tools to start doing that. Okay, I'll pass the mic back to Corey. <laughs> All right, so I think it it, it, it behooves us to... Uh, I want to try and explain my current understanding of Panvala. And there's a few holes in it. And so based on my explanation, it should be very clear where my holes lie. Uh, so as it stands today, there is a group of people who have received grants in Panvala based on a series of like tranches. So basically this is the series of, of, of inflation where at this point we introduced this amount of Panvala into the ecosystem and it was de delegated to these specific people who received grants. So now we have a, a bunch of cohorts of people who hold Panvala and a probably smaller minority of people who have bought and sold it and used it for various purposes within, um, within the ecosystem. All right, cool. We have a group of people who hold varying amounts of Panvala with different motives Basically, we, I think we, at this point we can say they're all in the Ethereum ecosystem uh, looking to make it better. Cool. Is that, that, that's, that's all true, right? Yes. Okay. Next, next step. Uh, you've created this concept called a staking pool, which is a way for people who are holding PAN to come together and basically say, I'm going to do stuff with this PAN, stake in my pool, and it's somewhat of a signaling thing. It allows me to say, like, if you don't want to pay attention to where money should be allocated um, on, on the next tranche, on the next tranche of grants, because you're no longer just giving it out to random people that you that you deem worthy or who their community deems worthy. Um, it's it, the, the next tranche of Panvala, like the subsidy, as you call it, like the Bitcoin block reward, is going to be allocated in a very specific way. And that is kind of um, what these staking pools are signaling should be getting grants. And they do that through, I think, allocating or like donating PAN to Gitcoin grants is, is, is a method, right? And so based on what these pools do, will tell you what how the, the new money coming in should be allocated. And, that's, and then it ends up as the pools signaling what should be funded through giving small grants, like small allocations of PAN based on what they have, and then the new tranche subsidy of money coming in, matching that and giving it a specific multiplier based on how big each pool is. So all of the people in the community who are holding PAN and having pools are doing a lot of the work in that they say, we feel that this thing should be given attention and funding. And that's and that attention is weighted by the size of their pool. And so you don't have to do any work in saying like, well, I have all this new money that's coming in this new tranche. Where do I put it? You have the pools that do that for you. Is that, did I, what did I get wrong? So that's close. 
So we're calling them staking clusters. So what they the, what they do is less about curation. It's not that they're saying, hey, here's the stuff that's the best to fund. What they're doing is they're they're basically uh, providing a subsidy for their own community. So it's saying like if I'm running the hash it out hashing it out uh, staking cluster, it's saying I want the hashing it out listeners to be able to have matching funds for the donations that they make. So it's not necessarily about you making donations as the stakers. You're making staker. Uh, you're staking so your audience, so your community can make donations and have them matched. So the what you do as a community is decide what donations qualify for your matching. If you want to subsidize any donation, then you can. You can include every Gitcoin grant on your list, and you say, "Hey, hashing it out, audience. Any donation that you make." Just tag it with hashing it out, and it's going to get matched by the pool that we have earned for you by staking the tokens that we hold. We are being diluted, so you, the hashing it out audience, can have uh, your donations matched. Uh, but what we expect most communities to do is be selective, because there's not every grant on Gitcoin Grants deserves to be funded. It uh, does not. so what we expect is that most communities will go through a process whatever governance process they want and decide what they want to subsidize for hashing it out it might actually be everything it might be what uh corey and john decide makes sense to subsidize other communities might go through their governance process that they already have so it might be token holders in a dao saying this is what we're going to subsidize it might be a one person one vote community saying this is what we're going to subsidize. It might be just a one man decides it all community deciding what they're going to subsidize. But then when people make donations in the next batch and tag it with that community, it's going to be subsidized from that pool and it's going to give a credit to that pool because you only earn a matching budget with donations that come in. The more donations you get, the more matching budget you get up to your community's capacity. And the capacity is what you earned by staking. When you stake your tokens, you're saying, hey, we, we get X percent of Panvalo's matching budget because we have X percent of the stake uh, the staking tokens. So that's what staking really accomplishes. It gets you a share of Panvalo's matching budget. And then you're offering that to your community to be able to match the donations that they make. All right, cool. So let me let me rephrase what I've said then. Um, and I'm going to use hashing it out as, a, as an example here. We had hashing it out have a specific amount of pan. Uh, it's a hundred thousand, hundred thousand pan at this moment. That's that's some percentage of all pan Ooh. available, right? All the money in the world, right? But some percentage <laughs> of all of the pan that's available. And so, we, when we say like, all right, hashing it out, community, uh, we have delegated by the hand of Corey that uh, these four projects in Gitcoin are available to be subsidized by our pool. So if you make a donation to any of the any of these four that I've deemed worthy, uh, they will be additionally matched by the next tranche of PAN tokens. And my community is like, awesome, we're going to do that. And since my community is so huge, what's going to happen is they're just going to have a tremendous amount of, uh, of donations towards those specific projects. Uh, I, I know that in, when you were explaining this to me before, there's a waiting factor, right? Because we only have 100,000. They may not be enough. Or like that not, may not be a lot in comparison to the total pool of pan, and so we get the maximum amount of like amplification of ma- uh, of matching from pan up to a certain level, and after that, it's a diminishing return. So like 
if we have some tremendous amount, it goes maximum matching and then starts to teeter out. They still get additional matching. It just won't be as much, right? Exactly that. Uh, you earn more uh, capacity with the more tokens that you have staked. Uh, 100,000 pan, uh, there's a total supply of 100 million pan. Of that, the current circulating supply is about 22 million, I believe. Uh, so it's actually uh, like, if you think of the ether supply, it's 100 something million. So you, if you're trying to think of the share of the supply it is, it's kind of like if you had 100,000 ether. Uh, but like it, the share of the staked tokens, imagine that since there's four right now, just imagine that they're, they're all staking equally and you have 25% of the uh, capacity of Panvala's uh, matching budget. Mm -hmm. The matching budget for next quarter happens to be 1.5 million tokens. So you're basically competing with other pools to get as many donations as you can Clusters. to earn more of that matching budget. Clusters. Uh, clusters. Thank clusters. You. <laughs> uh, because there's no software, you're just sticking your tokens together with the other people in your community who want to support that matching budget. And if I wanted to say uh, increase the amount that has the maximum matching from the people who donate uh, on behalf of our of our cluster, then I need to get people to stake their tokens with our cluster. Exactly that. So starting on June 8th, we're going to basically run a campaign where instead of just telling people about how to start a pool, we're going to just stick with the pools that we have cluster. and get people to oh, <laughs> start a cluster. Stick with the clusters we have. And then we're going to get people to add tokens to those clusters. So it's basically activating those communities that exist and saying that if you think your community should have a higher share of Panvala's matching budget, stake your tokens on this cluster so it can have more capacity. Uh, until the first round actually happens, people aren't going to really know what capacity that they needed, right? Because if you're beneath your capacity, you didn't necessarily need those extra token stakes, but it's just nice to have as much capacity as you want. After the first round, we're going to see what the outcome was, uh, which different clusters got a different share of the donations, which exceeded their capacity, and then people are going to know, hey, we exceeded our capacity. We need to get more people to stake tokens so we can actually get our share of Panvala's matching budget. Yeah, I, I, I don't know what to ask. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> what makes you think it's going to work? Why did you change it? Why did you introduce the concept of clusters? Because you didn't used to have this. This is this is a relatively new thing. Why did you introduce it? So this is a relatively new thing. Um, I definitely think it's going to work. Uh, th this concept was actually in the white paper that I wrote back in June. So like um, when we were the first metaphor that we used for Panvala, it's this weird nebulous thing, right? The first metaphor was that it was a decentralized decentralized foundation. Uh, so that's what we were doing first uh, when we were just giving out these grants to people. Uh, but it was always envisioned as not a thing where there's the central uh, decision-making on the grants that are issued. It was envisioned as a system with uh, subsidiaries. That is, communities could plug into Panvala and get their benefits from Panvala rather than needing to um, come to consensus on everything. So to get the system off the ground, that's too complicated of a thing to exist. And it wasn't obvious that people even understood where we were going until April. And uh, April was after we'd started relying heavily on the Bitcoin analogy. 
and we ran our Gitcoin matching round, which people understood. Uh, there were over 200 donations to over 100 different projects made in PAN. We got to match those donations at 12.9x. People understood how that worked. So once they got that part, the economics of the system, uh, now it's time to show people what to do with those economics. You could do anything with this, uh, with a system that can multiply the donations that come in. You could kind of do anything. What I think makes the most sense is to use these economics to create a league of communities, a league of communities that are trying to get as many donations as they can to achieve whatever goals they have, but that are cooperating because whenever any uh, of the organizations in this league, whenever any of them succeed, they're all increasing the demand for PAN, and we all run on PAN. We all want the other communities to succeed. We want our community to succeed. Uh, it allows people to uh, cooperate together. Because again, if the system is multiplying the donations that come in, you could go start your own thing and that multiplies the donations that come in. But if it's a, if it's a constant factor, then you could just cooperate with those people and you didn't lose anything. If you, if you share the same system, you can end up better off than you would be if you were separate. So that's what we're trying to illustrate here, that what, what I see, uh, that what I think we should do with the economics of the system is create a league of communities that work together to accomplish whatever goal those individuals' communities have individually and together to grow. Uh, so that's kind of where these clusters came from. It's the start of this league of communities and with these four that we have started uh, with the intention that uh, if the economics of the system work, if you can actually get the kind of multiplier that Bitcoin has, then uh, you won't have four communities. You'll have basically a vibrant civic sector of our society that starts to rise as a result of having the economic tools that it needs to thrive. So what are these four communities that you keep mentioning? Oh, so we announced today the staking system and how it works. Uh, so the four uh, that are the initial staking clusters are uh, Common Stack. Uh, so they're doing some cool work with token economics and bonding curves, uh, hashing it out, as we've mentioned previously. What, what? Uh, <laughs> uh, Dapno, uh, they're interested in making sure that the infrastructure projects get funded and that anybody can run the infrastructure. And Metacartel, uh, one of the most fascinating DAOs that's out there and um, that's trying to spread the knowledge of how to start these DAOs and how to run them effectively. Uh, so those, those are the first four staking clusters. Uh, we expect to create a couple more before June 8th. And then uh, on that week of June 8th, we're going to get people to uh, stake their tokens at, uh, in the different clusters and try to increase the capacity of the, that first batch of clusters. Uh, in the next round of Bitcoin grants, We'll start taking in donations to the different projects and giving them credit and matching budgets uh, for whatever they've earned. And then we'll repeat for the next quarter. Although for the next quarter, hopefully we have more clusters because more and more people want to benefit from Panvala's uh, matching budget. So I see a potential, not necessarily problem, but uh, more work for you or some coordination issue that's going to come up. And that is how, okay, so as it, as it currently stands, most of the matching and the kind of selected projects that are worth um, matching for are done on Gitcoin. And Gitcoin as it stands today is probably uh, the most broadly used uh, platform for funding projects. 
and signaling what projects should be funding based on their their matching stuff, right? Uh, first, how are you going to track individual donations and what cluster they belong to? And second, when things move away from Gitcoin, how do you track that? Good question. So uh, the current plan for tracking the donations and assigning them to clusters for this next batch is to convince people to hashtag their donations. So when you make a donation, just uh, there's a comment field on every donation. Just do hashtag hashing it out. And for all those, uh, we'll uh, give the credit to the right uh, clusters. Okay. Uh, uh, we think that Gitcoin is doing a great job at uh, facilitating these donations. Uh, before Gitcoin started doing their uh, quadratic funding rounds, there was effectively no culture in the Ethereum community uh, that donating to stuff that you appreciate uh, was a thing that people should do. And now it happens every quarter like clockwork. It's really fascinating to watch. Uh, so I, we want to continue being a part of that. Uh, there are some projects where uh, they might not be like technical projects that want to receive funding. And the, the kind of goal that I'm trying to get people aligned on is to build out a league of communities uh, where there's one that fits everybody. Uh, so instead of just being Ethereum related projects, maybe one day it's Bitcoin and Zcash related projects. And then maybe one day instead of just being crypto projects, it's uh, different cities trying to uh, get, give grants to the people and maybe the local crypto community that are doing the work that gets people activated, organizing events, uh, the glue of those local communities and spread out from there. Uh, maybe we're trying to find all the different programming languages uh, that could potentially uh, benefit from having a matching budget from this thing and go from there. So uh, Gitcoin is definitely our focus for now. Uh, we're going to keep using it. Uh, they, uh, when we tell them that uh, there are things that we need, they build it. Uh, so we're going to keep using that. Uh, if if we need to use other stuff, we'll use other stuff. Uh, but I I think Gitcoin's the place to be. Great. Yeah, like like you said, like they give you the ability to have a reasonable amount of verification that someone did a donation and tagged a specific cluster, which allows you to do your accounting appropriately. When you start to spread outside of that and have a myriad of different ways in which people can um, say they donated to something or signal that they donated to something and attribute it to some cluster, that's going to increase your work to verify it if it's not built into the system itself. Yeah, so the part that is built into the system is like there's actually a way to make donations that are verifiable on chain. You just donate them back directly into Panbala's token supply. Uh, this matching approach that we've taken it's been the one that's been most effective. So that's why we're doing it that way. Mm -hmm. uh, but as time goes on, it's a lot easier to verify donations that go directly into Panbala's token supply because you gave away the tokens. You didn't just send them to a different address on the blockchain. You sent them back into the token supply. Uh, so that's the long-term direction, making sure that the donations themselves go back into the token supply so we don't have to verify that a donation was made. You literally donated it into the system. And then you would... So the donation uh, goes in there, and then the newly minted or, or released or issued PAN tokens are the same amount as what is sent back into the system is given to the, the receiver in that case. Yes, that's the amount plus the match from the token supply. Right. So like a part of this, like reasonably, uh, if people didn't make a donation on Gitcoin, they can just say uh, they could send it. They could 
donate to the token supply and say this is for this particular grant and then that ends up becoming the same thing as if they've made the donation themselves in pan on gitcoin exactly that like in an ideal world gitcoin would integrate directly with panvala and that's what would be happening on the platform and then it would be a lot easier to track uh, but we don't live in an ideal world and the solution works pretty well so we're going to keep doing it until it breaks all right i'm into that that's fine I mean, if you if it gets the if it gets the the boots off, I have terrible analogies tonight. I was gonna say it gets the boots off the ground, but that's not a thing. Uh, <laughs> to get you started, awesome. So what's next? Uh, like, go ahead, Mark, John, go ahead. I, I was really interested in like like how you were because I've always understood Panvala to be like the Ethereum community's way of of funding itself. Um. And you're talking about, you know, like bringing in Zcash and and Bitcoin and like, you know, our our mortal enemies uh, <laughs> to receive funding from. I say that joking. I have I have no time or interest in tribalism, um, but but like it, it does seem like it dilutes the the purity of the the funds that are sort of like and and the idea that this is um, people gathering together to fund public goods. When it becomes more of a uh, separate factions seeking to uh, obtain a larger share of the issuance of the uh, and direct it more towards the public goods that they want. Uh, so that's actually what we want to illustrate. What I think we should want to illustrate, because like I think you can. Uh, it, there's there's two things here. One is that having different factions that are normally normally see themselves as mortal enemies together cooperating is great to me. I think we have a society that is divided for dumb reasons and that if we could figure out ways to get people to cooperate, that would be great. If we could illustrate that in the crypto world, maybe we could also apply that to the real world. But, but is this cooperation? Yeah, I, I believe that it's cooperation because again, in the Ethereum world, there was no culture of donations. It started to be created by Gitcoin. And I think with Panvala, we're gonna amplify that even further. Uh, that same thing exists in other crypto communities where there's no culture of contributing to the things that you want. And I think we're going to create that from scratch in those communities. Uh, so when that culture exists, they're going to be saying, hey, donate to the stuff that we need. And they're also going to see that when other communities succeed, when Ethereum succeeds or Zcash succeeds, uh, the value available to the Bitcoin community also uh, increases. Right. So that's where I think you get people cooperating because they don't want other communities to uh, get fewer donations. They just want their own to increase as well. Uh, so that's that's where I think you'll get a positive uh, cooperative feedback loop going potentially. Um, there are no guarantees and we always want to look out for any uh, amplifying tribalism because I don't want to be responsible for that. Uh, but the hypothesis is that it gets people to cooperate. The second thing that's super important is that I think what we have here is a fundamentally new way for um, cooperation to happen. So like uh, when people saw Bitcoin get off the ground from nothing, uh, it, it really captivated people. Everybody has their story about how they dove in and read everything there was to read, that mind blown moment where you're like, digital gold is actually possible and it's incredible. Uh, I had that moment a couple years later after with the digital gold, I had it with oh my gosh, you could subsidize anything for an extended period of time and 
it would just work. So I want people to have that mind blown moment and not the, the whole situation where it's like, hey, you have this one kind of digital gold, you could create all these different kinds of digital gold. I want people to understand that with this new way that we can cooperate, we can do it not just for individual communities, we can do it together. Uh, if, if that's actually true, then I think what you get is as I've been describing this uh, civic sector of our economy that's kind of dormant right now, there's not a lot of, most people aren't as civically engaged as they used to be outside of politics and just in voluntary organizations. That feels to me like it's declined dramatically from the stories that I read of how things used to be. I think we're gonna see that rise up again and people will care less about uh, which party needs to win an election and more about what they're doing within their particular communities to get what they need to get done, done. So that's why I think it's so important to bring different communities together because that's where we're gonna end up. We're gonna end up with so many different communities doing their own thing. And they're gonna start off by getting subsidized by Panvala's token supply. And 10, 15 years from now, there's gonna be no more subsidy. It's just gonna be those communities sustaining themselves. And I think what we'll end up with is a community for every kind of person with every kind of goal, uh, working together to make sure that they can all find each other. Because at the end of the day, they're not competing over what comes from Panvala. They want their, uh, they want everybody else to get as many donations as possible. And they also want their own organization to get as many donations as possible. I think that's kind of, I think there's a potential to align the interests of a mosaic of communities rather than trying to find some way to get everybody on the same page. You don't need to be on the same page, be on a different page, but have something that ties you together. Yeah, there's a, I'm, I'm kind of fascinated by this, like this, this concept, right? Of um, codifying subsidies. And then you have this, like, like, like I don't know the term, like co-opetition of the cohorts within the ecosystem that all like, and, but the, the unifying factor, let's, let's take Bitcoin, for example, right? Bitcoin has value because everyone agrees that Bitcoin has value and it is a provably digital, digitally scarce, right? It's it, that's the problem it solved. You have digital scarcity and you have ownership of that digital scarcity in a very, very, very solidified way of introducing it into the ecosystem, right? That through subsidies. Yep. And that then gets spread around based on a myriad of interest groups and what they mm -hmm. think they should be doing with the uh, agreed upon value of what that token is. But that's all for mm -hmm. money, right? That's the that's the money version of of that concept. And if you look at what you're trying to do with Panvala, it's the uh, I don't know. The subsidy is more about a community attention like and the coopetition that is involved with the entire ecosystem of pan of of people who are using panvala is this is me and my ilk this is this is the like the the cluster is my community in a way and this is what i deem to be important and as that subsidy comes so i'm doing the quote unquote mining my cluster is and the and, and then what what happens is that when I receive the block rewards, which is the, the like the subsidy coming in every so and so time, it gets allocated to what I think is important. So as that attention grows and that unified agreement that we want to 
be sucking at the teat of this subsidy, if you will, then like you have you have more and more and more people vying to grow their size of their cluster, their community, to get more and more of the allocation of the incoming subsidy. Right. And then yep. and, and and in the process of that, like it's, but the weird part about that is that the subsidy isn't going to the cluster. It's going to what the cluster thinks is important. So mm-hmm. it, it 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 forces you to think about what needs to be done to grow what that cluster thinks is important. Instead Absolutely. of saying, I'm doing it for myself for greed reasons, which is typically a financial reward. And most of what the incentives are around Bitcoin is like, it's we've overwhelmed the incentives in such a way where you should, you should do the right thing because you're going to make the most money that way. This is kind of uh, trying to optimize the incentives in such a way where I want to allocate to the things that are most viably useful in the future. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to try and convince enough people to join my cluster so that it gets more money and it's more likely to happen. Is that, am I getting this right? Because I find this concept really fascinating and interesting, especially from a community perspective and how it grows. You're getting this absolutely right. And I think what's really interesting as that happens is that uh, the same way that we, we see the culture transform in these communities over time, where Bitcoin had this culture of convincing everybody to hold, Ethereum had this culture of convincing everybody to build. I think what you're going to get as Panvala takes hold is a culture where everyone's donating, everyone's giving, everyone's joining some sort of smaller sub-community that they want to be part of, and we can spread that commu- that that culture as far as we want. Uh, that that kind of lack of connection that a lot of people feel right now as a result of modern life or whatever theory people have about why we got this way. Uh, to me, there's a tangible way back or a tangible way forward uh, that brings people back together. Actually incentivizing community is something that I don't think has ever happened before because again, the civic sector of our economy and our society has been deprived of those tools. So if you imagine a civic sector that had the same kind of juice as Silicon Valley or the same kind of money printer going brrr as the Federal Reserve, juicing the civic sector of our economy rather than corporations, I think something incredible would happen. And it would happen all through individual people and their communities deciding to do it. Because again, I can't make people do anything. I don't own any like... I don't own anything that people need. Uh, I there's there's just a system that we published to a digital scroll in the cloud that records who has this token, who's doing well with it, and together, if it's something that we actually want in our heart of hearts to find the people that we want to cooperate with and do stuff together, I think we're gonna have more resources to do that than we ever did before, and that to me seems like it's gonna be a wild ride. You kind of made the money printer. That, that was the goal. <laughs> you just you kind of made a money printer and set a, set up set across a bunch of rules and says like this is how the, the money printer works and this is where it goes. So see what happens if you follow the rules. And the rules you made are trying to incentivize communities to be better. <laughs> right. So uh, when when you're trying to design a money printer that people are going to voluntarily coordinate around, it's 
interesting because there's really two problems that you need to solve. One is like most money printers that are out there require some sort of law, some sort of government force to get people to uh, accept that they exist. Uh, the government wants you to use their money. They have laws that force you to use their money. If you have a debt, you have to accept their money. And if you're going to pay taxes, you got to pay it in their money. And also you have to pay taxes. So if you're going to create a voluntary kind of currency, how do you do that in a way that people will just adhere to, that people will uh, uh, see their own incentive in operating with the system? And that's been what I've been trying to wrap my head around for a couple of years. And I think the way you do it is by trying to, as much as possible, delegate the matching budget of the system to communities themselves, uh, to make sure that each community is on an equal playing field with other communities, and to make sure that they have a way to uh, decide together what they like, uh, what their rules are, what's allowed, what's not. Uh, because I think you can get a lot of people to agree that the same made-up money is both worth something and worth using, worth organizing a community around. And if that's true, I think we're going to see something pretty incredible. Yeah, I'm really interested in this. It's like a, it's it's definitely a new way of getting people to coordinate based on some uh, arbitrary agreement, right? It's it's, oh. it's it's but it's it's getting people to try and harness human attention in a a better way quote unquote better way like most of everything we do now is 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 trying to get harness attention in some way shape or form this is trying to harness attention with seemingly in like a, a beneficial way but i'm curious to see how it plays out john do you have anything um got anything else here we can start to wrap up well i think uh yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see how this uh, this next round of Gitcoin grants plays out, um, and so maybe it'd be good to hear about like like when that is and and how people can follow along with uh, basically backing our. It's not a pool; it's a cluster. How they can back our cluster to the greatest effect. Awesome. So the next round of Gitcoin grants starts on June fifteenth. Uh, sometimes the schedule shifts a little bit, but it's currently scheduled for June fifteenth. And the general idea is that when that time comes, you're going to want to make your donations in PAN and you're going to want to hashtag your donations with hashing it out. And that's how you earn uh, from the matching budget that hashing it out is going to earn. Uh, you'll want to make those donations to the projects that they select. So again, like it won't be every project I'm getting coin grants that'll earn from hashing it out. It's going to be the ones that they pick. Uh, so uh, in the week before that, if you want to actually be a part of their cluster, you can do that too. So if you think that the capacity of uh, hashing it out's matching budget should be larger uh, than it ends up being, then you can add your tokens and you can stake and you can help earn this matching budget uh, for your community, the fellow people who listen to this podcast and are a part of what we're trying to do here. Um, so uh, you'll be able to stake, you'll be able to make your donations and have them matched. And as we keep going, if this sounds like something that you want to be a part of, you can help shape how this thing ends up going. Uh, you can join the Panbala Caucus, which is basically Panbala's version of the Ethereum core devs. We make recommendations every quarter about what the budget should be used for. And like in Ethereum, where the miners can accept or reject what the core devs say, the token holders can accept or reject what the Panbala Caucus says by basically issuing a competing recommendation 
which triggers a vote. So we want you to be part of the Panbala Caucus. There's about 22 or 23 of us right now, and we want to keep growing, and we want as many people to be involved as possible. Uh, so yeah, like uh, again, I, I think this is a really big deal, but I've been thinking this for a long time, and I might just be a crazy person. If you also think it's a really good deal, <laughs> a really big deal, then uh, I want you to be involved in it because uh, uh, it's going to have a big impact on the world. Well, we keep having you back because uh, we like the idea, right? I mean, I've been following you for a while. I've been trying to grasp it. I've been wanting, I've been wanting to f- help push forward the idea of funding funding communities for what they think they should be funded for in, a, in an equitable way. And this is an interesting way to do it. So thanks for coming back on. Thanks for powering through. And uh, let's, uh, let's try something this next quarter. Uh, thanks for having me, and thanks for uh, starting the staking cluster. I hope to see it grow over the years.